0: Hi, I'm Russ Camarda, an independent filmmaker and actor in New York and in between the chances I get to do my creative projects, I love to sit down and talk with other artists to see how it is they do what they do, how they take art and use their craft to reveal truth to an audience. So, in this series of conversations, you'll meet some people you may recognize, some people you won't recognize, but they're all independent artists and we'll get in-depth in a long-form conversation to see how it is they do what they do. Welcome to Art Craft Truth. This time on Art Craft Truth, I talk one of the most fascinating crafts of filmmaking, editing. I sit down with Michelle Tassaro, the woman behind projects that include The Queen's Gambit, House of Cards, and Godless on Netflix, the feature film on the basis of Sex, HBO's Newsroom, and many more. It's a cool conversation about how the film editor helps find hidden gems in the footage to build a performance and create the story. I hope you enjoy it. Michelle Tassaro. so uh, where am I getting you from today are you in Los Angeles
1: I am in Los Angeles oh yes.
0: geez so you get extra credit for uh, getting up early to uh, to talk to me that's why
1: oh, pretty- I wanted to do it in the morning well there's there's two things is one it it doesn't interrupt the day I'm fresher in the morning I know this because otherwise <laughs> the afternoon is like you get me at the end of the day and it's like Oh, uh, what's that word? And it just, it's just—it's not,
2: right. not—it's not a
1: good scene. So I always try to do things right in the morning, and um, uh, and also recently I've been working with people uh, who are in Europe, oh, like remotely, right? So and my assistant is in New York, so I'm like used to this, like sure. the time zone and um, like. I think the last three months I was getting up at 4.35 oh, to try to get on calls at 6.
0: Wow. Um, Plus you got that vat of whatever the coffee or tea are there, so that should help. Out <laughs> it. <laughs> it
2: looks quite big. It's yeah. a bowl of coffee. That's
0: right, a bowl. Uh, so I, I really appreciate you doing this. First of all, let me get, make sure I get your name uh, pronounced correctly. It's, it's Michelle Tesoro
2: yes okay
0: awesome yeah i don't i don't want to (laughs) screw that up um and gabby was great your publicist was great enough to get us hooked up and uh this is really awesome i don't know if you've gotten a chance to see any of the stuff i have i have it it's career bouncing around highlights but it's really getting into like how you do what you do the craft of what you do um and uh and that's the fun part for me uh so this is like um uh super geek out for me because I've been an actor and and director and filmmaker in and theater and, and indie film and stuff for, for years. But um, my the business that helps pay my bills is I'm an independent video producer. So I, out of necessity, have been an editor and stuff for many years. Sure. So this, I get to actually talk to... Uh, somebody who's worked on some fantastic stuff and who who's a, a, a you know a master editor so i get to geek out on some stuff today so we'll, we'll talk about all that kind of stuff um so first of all why don't we just start with like you know where you're from originally and and um and you know childhood aspirations and that kind of thing so where are you from originally
1: uh i'm, I'm from chicago uh-huh. <laughs> my parents uh are philip are from the philippines uh, my mom um, came here uh, as a nurse for like a missionary um, and and she by ways of Spokane, Washington hmm. and, and Idaho Falls and then she landed in Chicago because uh, there was a lot of people from her town who had settled there uh, in in the 60s and 70s or actually 50s now when I right. think about it uh, and, and that's where she, she just went. So uh right. So I grew up there <laughs> and I went I lived there basically through my college years. Um I, I went to University of Illinois. For the first two years of my bachelor's degree, and then the last two years, I went to uh, NYU.
0: Oh, okay. So you're uh, you're familiar with New York, then you you, you know my very familiar my with New course. York. Yeah,
1: it feels like a second home because like I've made I was I only lived there for five years before I um, relocated to Los Angeles, but I kept a lot of my friends mm-hmm. that were obviously from school and also the one job I had in New York before I left. Um, And then a lot of them also moved to L.A., so it's sort of, it feels the same. And then I've gone back um, when the director that I work with, Scott Frank, uh, decided he was going to relocate to New York in 2014. Um, His projects, two projects after that that he did were all posted in New York. So, All
0: right. So So, so as a kid, our... Is this a business you want to get into? Did you want to be in front of the camera, behind the? Ca- Did you even think about this?
1: No. Yeah, I spent a lot of time in front of the television. Let's just see. <laughs> All right. say the TV was was the babysitter. Um, I remember watching when I was a when I was a kid. We had a Zenith, a color Zenith, and we had a black and white because <laughs> I guess the story was is that I. I broke the color television. <laughs> I pressed something and it broke. And and so instead of getting rid of the color television, it just sat there. And actually, we eventually got it fixed, but we got a black and white TV. And I remember I was watching Sesame Street and I could have sworn I knew that Big Bird was yellow. Like, <laughs> Lord, and this is how much television I watched. But um, no, you know, I, I didn't know that. I think I got into sort of... Uh, the idea of the performance entertainment stuff um through um my sister who was my mom and my sister have a very artistic streak okay. uh they're they like to paint on the side my sister's way into painting um she's an engineer um so she also has like a scientific kind <laughs> of mind, but, um in high school she did a lot of high school theater and I really loved that like I would tag okay. along. She's 10 years older than me so I was just a baby when right. I was or a baby. <laughs> a little kid hanging out. Um and as a result because you know my uh my mom raises as a single mother and so my older siblings I have two older siblings one who's 14 years older it's my brother and my sister is 10 years older. So I would tag along because they were babysitting me on their trips to the movies right. and their trips to so there's a lot of trips to the Biograph Theater oh, okay with in you know for matinees and they would sneak me in somehow to <laughs> probably movies I shouldn't have been watching and try to cover my eyes during the bloody parts right. and um uh, but yeah, I, I, would go backstage with my sister and I really liked, she was on the crew and, and I really liked that. So when I was in high school, I, I lined for, for the drama club.
0: And did uh, you, and were you immediately crew or were you, uh.
1: I was immediately crew. Immediately crew. Yeah. Cool. All right. So. Yeah. But I didn't want to be, I wasn't really that interested in being on stage. So, um, I was in construction crew actually. Right. <laughs> and then, um and construction crew for, for pre-production. And then I turn to stage crew. All right. So
0: I... I'm, I'm going to stop you there because I like to, yeah. s- I like to go off on tangents when I hear things a little bit. So this is always curious to me, um, for all kinds of artistic people, uh, and crafts, crafts people. Um, what is it that, that attracts you to because everybody can understand the you know the the attention and the people who want to get in front or on stage but for the those of us who want to get back there and and pull the levers and turn the knobs and what is that about do you think what why did you gravitate to that
1: um I think I think I always really like to know how things worked like what is the you know the odds you know like Mm -hmm. what is the the person behind (laughs) making that work. I mean, I how does it work? I think was the curiosity. Right? Right. Why does it work?
0: Sure. So
1: in a general sense,
0: you probably hate magicians like I do because you're like, "Ah, I want to know what they're doing.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, it's it. I try to enjoy the moment, but you do think, hmm, how did he do that? How did he do that? How did she do that?
0: (laughs) Right. So, um, so when you're gonna when you're going, so I guess you did stuff in high school where you're where you're working on crew and you're doing theater, literally, you know, crewing stuff. At what point are you thinking? Um, are you thinking that's going to be a career? Is that?
1: You know, I did. I didn't know at the time. Um, I knew I had other interests. Like, I mean, I was always uh, trying to make little videos. Like, I took video. I just thought that stuff was cool. I didn't know what it meant because I was so into. I you know, watching movies, I was sort of raised right. on that. And I thought that there might be some sort of mix. And I remember when we had we had HBO cable television, <laughs> like that was like a big deal to have sure. cable television channel. And um there was a making of um Terminator Two and that just fascinated me. <laughs> So I was like, whoa, that's really, you know, where they were featuring ILM and mm-hmm. everything. So I think I I dabbled in things outside of the theater. And I think because I was, my background was a little bit in the, in theater and I like to write, I like to paint, um, any kind of printmaking. Like I, I played a lot of musical instruments oh, really? when I was. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, when I was five, I was, you know, we did the piano thing. Then uh, I played the flute. Wow. When I was around 10 and then I switched to the cello at 12. So, um, so yeah, I, I was always kind of in the arts. So like when you're looking at schools, like they all kind of get bunched together. But I mean, I took, I took like a filmmaking class uh, for high schoolers, um, at the local college. And, um, and that was really, that sort of solidified sure. what I want to do, because everybody in that class, first of all, I was the youngest person in the class <laughs> and everybody in that class were seniors going to film school the following fall. And so they really influenced me, um, in terms of, Oh, I could go to school for this. Right. and What would that be like? Uh,
0: so so when you said because uh, we all kind of did this too uh, if we came from this track because everybody comes from it, from different things when you were did you do the same things that, that we did like where you you had you know you were editing two VHS you know cutting little films together and you know yeah absolutely right
1: yeah we had there was like um, so actually the reason why I had access to it is because the TV video class classroom that also was a studio was adjacent to the theater backstage Uh there you go so it was literally it was physically there and it was always open and the teacher who was our director at school at the in the theater also taught the video class (laughs) so you know i would just go in there and yeah we learned the tape to tape i can't tell you what what the the deck what
0: the deck was right (laughs) what the
1: deck was but it was tape to tape (laughs) reel to reel and then it was um you know, they also had, like, a live feed. Oh, that's cool. It and so that was cool. And then, um, yeah, so I remember t- <laughs> one of these weird videos that I made was I had taken the camera and I wrote this script about a chase and, like, uh, there was, like, a gunman and, and all that. And I got in trouble for it, actually, because um, part of the film went outside and, you know... We we chase I can't remember, but there was a chase and there was I wanted the shot where it was the camera and I had a starter pistol. oh. Don't ask me why I had a starter pistol. <laughs> yeah. But I just I was like, oh, can I just use this as a prop? And we use it as a prop and the the shot was like, like this, like camera at, and oh my god, the CPD, you know, Chicago PD <laughs> came by and like I got totally in trouble. They brought me into the office and were asking me why, like, where did I get this? And which I couldn't tell on my theater teacher cause that's where I got it from. Right. But, um, but they're like, why are you making a movie about guns? You shouldn't be, ma-. yeah. So, but <laughs> so, anyway, I, I like had put that together. There was another thing where I was like intercutting, running, chasing footage with army of darkness footage, <laughs> <laughs> like using like VHS cameras. Cause I was just, Fooling around, sure. you know, like oh, this works if I connect this out to this in, right, like- right,
0: right, right. So, so first of all, that you're that that's how you know when you're an artist. When the cops get involved, you know, you've once you've broken the first, <laughs> you've broken the first law, <laughs> you're on the guerrilla track to uh, to being an artist. But the, so, what was the. Um, What was the thing that you think, right? Like, that's the early seeds of it. We're going to get into as you learn the craft. But what is it about the assembly of the story that you think there was like the turn on for you? Was it was it just seeing it come in all these pieces come together? Like you saw Cameron's behind the scenes thing. Like what was that was a part of it?
1: I mean, that was a part of it, too. But even before I saw that. I was like making mixtapes and I was yeah. making, you know, I mean, remember those like tape, and that's you know, right. I, had, I was actually, that was the first thing that I had to, I had, my mom was going to match me if I raised through allowance money and various other things, this tape to take, tape to tape, uh, a that, and B right. dual deck like boom box. Right? right. And that's how I made my mixtapes. You know, I take a tape and then make a mix and, um, and actually I had, I would exchange it with friends. And so, ed- like, the editing of music and also, like, I would even, you know, I had my best friend, I still, she's still my best friend now, um, we would record ourselves, like, just, I don't know what, you seem to have a lot to say when you're a yes, teenager. Yes, absolutely. So, in your chat, I, we would talk, and then I put music, so it was like this nice. montage, All the right. same. So, once I got the video camera, it was just, oh, this other third dimension. Right, right. Of, putting images together and I think at that time I really wasn't in I wasn't super interested in telling a story per se I think I was just interested in the visuals
0: okay what were some well. of the what were some of the like you said they took you as a little kid but as you grow, got older what were some of the films and things you liked you know uh, it'd be interesting to see the kind of styles of things that you liked as a, as a young person and then as you got older the you know the visual stuff you liked
1: so, I told you earlier that my sister would take me to the movies, mm-hmm. right? Yes. So, the one movie that I that made an impact, why? I, and I'm sure she took me to other movies, but I don't quite remember them, but I, she took me to see The Untouchables.
0: Oh, there you go. When
1: I was seven.
0: Nice. <laughs> nice. So,
1: I don't think she was actually allowed in there either, but... <laughs> but we saw that and I do remember just the baby carriage and this right cutting back and and the and the muse like music to uh just like soft music in contrast to right a violent, to a violent
0: image. image right uh
1: and how interesting that was and then i i think um i mean other than watching my little pony you know <laughs> kid but that sort of is a good contrast, but, uh, but later when I was in high school, that was the age of how Hartley and, um, like, I love that movie trust mm-hmm. and, um, and also, I mean, Tarantino was huge during that sure. time. I and mean, I saw his movies at the three penny, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and the, those really kind of blew my mind. Those kind of movies, uh, the movie smoke was, um, mm-hmm was something that was, in. I mean, it was black and white, is that, and it was uh, just sort of
0: poetic. Yeah, right. Yeah, all right So, all right. That's interesting. And, and what's funny about that Untouchable sequence is that's such a classic sequence that was borrowed from another sequence, right? Didn't, didn't he steal that shot sequence, <laughs> that whole carriage thing? From, I think so. Yeah, that's a that's a, like a, a re-edit of a, of a classic sequence. So you're seeing images being put together right off the bat from... You're not. It's not just My Little Pony. You're seeing masters putting no. things together, and and.
1: I mean, yeah, because you know, even during the day. I mean, I love to cut class. It's just one of those like rebellious <laughs> things that you do. But you know, when we were young, we and school was out early, early enough. You can get out of school early enough. You could catch the matinee. So, right. and at the time, you can go to the matinee. I think at the time, I would go to Webster Place a lot and Biograph through Penny. But um, it was like seven bucks to see a movie.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. You know,
1: and oh, normally, and then at matinee it was half price, whatever it was. So, I mean, I I remember sneaking in to see JFK. That's a long run. <laughs> yes. Like Three hours. It's movie? pretty
0: close. Yeah, it's pretty close. But
1: that blew my mind too. And I, I mean, I saw it when it was in theaters, so I don't know. I had to do the math and how old I was. Right. But right. yes, I mean, the Hank Corwin's way of editing like yeah. that really affected me. Sure. I didn't know what it was. I just
0: right. Right. <laughs> So when, so when you decide, when you're going, eventually going to go to school, are you going to school to be a film student or are you going, is there an editing specific thing? Like how does the, how does editing kind of take over your, your track of life there?
1: So, I mean, I guess I was more conscious, conscious of, of the craft, um, that I was going to choose. I didn't initially, um, want to be an editor um I think I went into it wanting to get into camera
0: (laughs) I think I think that's the way a lot of it happens (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't know there's not too many people who want to be an editor right off the bat and then you're like Uh, you know this is pretty cool you know
1: (laughs) yeah which is basically how how it started like I was in camera and then I think well what's cool about the way I did film school which I in hindsight was better than if I had gone to NYU as a freshman um is by the time I got to Tish, I had done all my gen eds, and so I could focus. And so I, I um, took classes in all the different fields. I took producing class. Mm. I took documentary class. Um, you know, then they make you take some prerequisite beginning classes, which, you know, was camera and and learning, like beginning avid editing or whatever. Right. So. I just remember being in the camera class going, "Okay, this is interesting. And then we did our first practical. I was like, oh, this is too much like being in theater again, (laughs) like that stage where I have to manage people. Like I don't and I didn't feel like I was being creative in the way that I liked. So um, I think by taking the other classes, like specifically the documentary class and the avid editing class, that i knew i was more interested there and i was better at that
0: why why specifically the documentary class
1: well because you had to you had to sort of bring in a project and and cut it together and that was sort of an easier um way to get footage like Mm. one of some of the classes kind of all work together and i had a project that kind of i could cross class use but um uh I think one of the class it was sight and sound video where you had to you, you had to follow a street artist or a performance artist and um, and I I met one or a, a friend of mine my, my cousin had a friend um, who was a performance artist so I, I did I followed him and I did a little documentary on him and I just saw how if I edited, it, Edited it differently. I mean, that's just when I just sat down and go, oh, you know, yeah. wow, I can tell this story, or I can tell this story, right. or I can do it this way or that way, and and um, you know, and then and then of course I I helped other people when they would shoot their films. Right. Um, I would edit their films, and I saw the difference, sure. and it was so fun. So. Um, yeah, I think it was a really good place to kind of dabble mm-hmm. in everything.
0: Well, that's the that's the cool thing about, and we'll get into that uh, as we as we get a little further. Which is what a lot of people on the outside, the civilian world, don't understand about what you do, is that's that's where things happen. That's where performances are built. That's where stories are told. And like you said, with a documentary, because there's so much sort of uh, organic uh, raw footage, you can kind of take the narrative any way you want where a narrative film might have a little more as a script and has a little more structure but still the same thing applies where the story goes where you decide to take it the pace and how you cut it so that's it's really fascinating that documentary was the kind of the entry point there now you you're a little younger than me but you're still on the straddle line of the analog digital world when you started to learn editing did, were they doing movieola and all that stuff or did you have to learn that kind of film splicing
1: I did. Um, you know, yeah, it's really unfortunate because I hear now that they got rid of all their, their steam back beds and stuff. Really? I, like, oh, I wish they would not have just because there's no other place right. that you can really do that. Yeah. And it's sort of like the base of, basis of all film language comes from like when they say, Frames and when yes. they say you know just to understand right. where that all comes from, but yeah, um, my the first couple of classes, you know, it was all sixteen millimeter. Um, you had to get it developed, and I mean, I shot, you know, I, I cut with uh, work print and everything. Um, we were, I, I wasn't on a Moviola, I was on a steam Beck.
0: Hmm. Did um, you like? Think... Did you like that? Did you like the manual kind oh, yeah. of?
1: Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. It was just so neat to just be cutting these little things, and you see the thing, and like, and if you wanted to have an effect, like how you would have to try to
0: physically create the effect, <laughs> right? A cross dissolve, uh, you know, or something, you know, was, was yeah, physical. like a
1: dissolve, or if you wanted to fade to black, oh, I need the piece of black, or if you like, I think one time, you know, fun with wax pencils, where you're <laughs> like, coloring things in and trying to be creative that way. I, I mean, and I did a lot of like in-camera stuff too, like where I was like, okay, I know that I want to shoot this. How do I go back and shoot over it so I can create a split screen? Uh, like, Right. You know, it was just a lot of fun because sometimes, you know, having the limitation creates more opportunities for
0: creativity sure and and i've had this discussion with with other uh with filmmakers and and photographers and actors and other folks on this podcast where there's um like my taste is i like to be aware of the lens i like to i like to be aware of the flaws you know uh, a lot of people like cleaner images and things but i like you know, anamorphic flares and distortions and vignettes and things like that. Light leaks, you know, um, and the ant. To start learning to edit that way must have been fun to be able to because there's all kinds of stuff involved, especially 16 milliliter and the grain and the texture of it and super dirty, super <laughs> super dirty, yeah, super dirty. Dirty.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so when does uh, so you so you start with the Avid, I guess, right? Is that the first nonlinear kind of thing they put you on?
1: yes yes
0: and what was that like for you i mean i'm sure you it was sort of intuitive you were in you were already kind of uh of the generation Um, that the computer stuff was already happening
1: not really i mean well yes and no okay um i mean i think you know avid and any any tool of that nature as a language Yeah. so because and i think at the time i actually was learning both avid and final cut pro because they both were out mm-hmm. and i had taken a um an after effects class that they were using after effects and final cut Pro, so i was learning all these different things so yeah. um but you know i didn't grow up with a house with a house that had a computer in it right. so my uh my language was had only been maybe my proficiency was only maybe about three years, two years old, you know, by the time that I got to to doing it. But, so it wasn't super intuitive, but I think because it was a new language anyway, I took it all in as it was. So, which is how you have to learn a language. You can't impress (laughs) on it. But um, yeah, I, I, you know, after you get to know it, it's good and like, um, I think I remember, we had a, re- a lot of good support, like tech support that would help you learn how to navigate troubleshooting issues. There's a lot of issues back then. I remember because that sure. was OS nine.
2: Right. If <laughs>
1: anyone remembers that right. OS nine? And they hadn't moved to OS ten yet. It was just OS nine, and so um, yeah. And I think at NYU at the time they only had three media composers. Everything else was like Avid Express, mm. which was their like a uh, prosumer right version yeah, right 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 um so that was a little bit different but i think um
0: and you had to yeah. you got a real crash course at that time because it was ingesting all different kinds of media and choking on it and and trying to understand different you know different tapes different tape stocks different codecs you know it was all oh. nuts
1: yeah it was because it was mini dv beta <laughs> right I'm, like dating myself now a cam digi beta if you were like yeah. really like baller, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah and actually the job that i got out of college um we dealt with a lot of archival so mm-hmm. that's when i learned a little bit more about the different variations of of, of it like from 35 to 16 super 16 to like one inch <laughs> 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 one inch uh uh, what was this thing that's it starts with a D? There's all these different sure. kinds of. things. You're like, oh wow, that lived on that,
0: you right. know. So let's so, so let's get you out of college. What was what was the so uh, uh, when you're getting ready to get out into the world, uh, is it at this point you're like, okay, this is what I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be an editor, or okay.
1: Yeah, I mean, I figured that out after the first year at NYU. So by the time I started my senior year, I I already knew that that's the direction i wanted to go.
0: All right, so when you get out, what is how do you how did you get work in the how did it happen? How did you start getting gigs? So,
1: i graduated in 2001. So, if anybody remembers that time, um, Clearly. but i was in New York in 2001. Yes, indeed. Uh, and you know, the job market already was not great coming out and, and obviously after September 11th, it was even more bleak. Um, but I think, uh, the job that I have, I was in was something that I was doing part time while I was in my last year of school. So I basically said, Oh, I'm just going to stay here and, you know, create position for myself. Um, I mean, they had the position, but, and it was fine. It was just convincing them and it wasn't really a hard convince <laughs> to make me full-time there. Mm-hmm. So um, they are really nice. It was a record company, uh, pu- a music publishing company, actually, Abco Music and Records. And uh, Jody Klein was the one who hired me is funny now because he he's a producer on oh. one night in miami <laughs> um, <laughs> wow finally did that but uh but anyway it was it was a nice place to work and i was very lucky because it had benefits and i i remember i remember the rate that i worked at i laugh at it now just because it was so low compared mm. to you know where i'm at now but like i just remember going i'm gonna write this down. <laughs> so, <laughs> We, so, we literally did that. We did the sliding right, number
0: across yeah. just, oh, just lift up the tab and, and nod if you say yes. The
1: nod <laughs> or not nod. <laughs> <yes. laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it was just a great place. It was small, and it was video.
0: Um, it was yeah. video editing. That's what you were doing.
1: So I was a film and video librarian, oh, all and right. I was so Appco um, as a music publishing company at the time. They own the publishing rights and some of the master rights. Uh, for uh, the Rolling Stones from 64 to 72. They own Sam Cooke still. Uh, At the time, they owned Phil Spector's um, collection. It was a huge collection. So they had a whole library of not just footage that I believe they owned of performances, but also it's like music licensing. It's like in a movie you have a usage like, uh, that would be in there um, and I would have to my job was to keep that organized <laughs> and archive it and as new commercials and new things came in to um, to organize that and be like an archivist so
0: so I imagine you were I mean it was a good job with benefits and they 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 dealt with oh, your yeah. right there but but I would imagine the there was a creative part that was still uh, looking to happen for you uh, as a creator yeah.
1: it was sort of limited although to their you know a, a, to their credit that because they knew that i i could do that they you know they made some work for All me right. but, you know every time because they do this thing like every 30 year. oh you know 30 years of you know <laughs> between the buttons right i'm gonna reissue it you know stuff, stuff like that and then they would make a little promo mm. For it That would go internally around uh, the distributors. So I would make the I would cut those and make those and then um, we did like a music video with fat boy slim. Um, that was all animation of sympathy for the devil. So oh, cool. I, I did that. Oh my gosh, I haven't talked about that. in
0: years. <laughs> See, there you go. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna dig you know. it all up. <laughs>
1: Yeah, like DVD extras, mm. you know, I, Rock and Roll Circus was really cool because um, there was all this performance footage of Taj Mahal that didn't get cut. So I got to cut that and that that was cool. Wow. Um, and,
0: and again, you're dealing with all kinds of mixed archival media. And well. <laughs> <laughs>
1: like not just different kinds of media, but different speeds and. Sure. Yeah, with an emphasis on music. There was always this emphasis on music. So, right. so yeah. I mean, I I had that there, and I think at the same time I was doing little projects with my college friends, you know, because it wasn't, it wasn't the type of job that I was working twelve hours a sure. day, right. like
0: a normal ten to six. Right. Now, yeah. at what point do you become? Are you are do you ever kind of get your own kind of shingle on the side where you're hanging out? A you know, this is my, you know, at I, I, an hourly rate, I'm I'm this editor, and you're kind of doing freelance things, or did you always kind of hook into, um, a, an a, a bigger establishment type gig? You know, when does when does it become where you're 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 getting editing jobs where it's a it's a
1: oh well, I moved. i moved to la LA and i went back down as an assistant and and all the um you know i had kept in touch with all the people at school and i had um met with some alum that were ace members this the american cinema editors and they who were working in the business they were editors and um They had advised me. Well, one, I was going to move to Los Angeles, regardless. I think I was tired of New York and um, and a lot of my friends were moving. So um, so I moved and and they're like, oh, then you have to get into the union. This is what I advise you do. Um, I applied for the ace internship. I didn't get it, but I was able to. Do their workshop. I met a bunch of people through there, and so I, I knew if I wanted to do that, like what, what I'm doing now, right. that I had to begin as an assistant editor. And I was totally open to that. So, so that's so where I started formally.
0: All right. So you get to LA. So explain to folks what what an assistant editor does. Which you know, I mean, you're I guess you're loading and logging and and things like that, right? I mean, what do you guys do?
1: Well, yeah, I, boy, at the time, it's gosh doesn't doesn't it change? Right? Yeah, totally.
0: Yeah, I'm sure it's totally different now. But I mean, it's
1: totally different now. Because before we would get, you know, we would get the dailies, they were on DV cams, you would, you would digitize them. Right. You, yeah, know, right, like, right. you don't do that anymore. But um, basically, you organize the footage, the daily footage, you are you run the technical part of the room for the editor, um, you're there to help. I mean, so I started in television um, and I don't know in in features maybe it's similar. Um, you do you know you do sound effects, you cut maybe you cut music if they want you to you do you're you're at service to your editor right. and and the post producer when they need you so um, that's basically your job. Right.
0: (laughs) And, and, uh, and from, from those, uh, times as an assistant editor, that's when you eventually got into the union through, through that.
1: Um, well, you have to be in the union in order to do any, any union job, even if it's an editing job. So i got into the union because I used, they accepted, um, uh, the years that I worked as, an editor, although I changed it to being an assistant editor <laughs> because that's the classification I want to get into, uh, the years that I worked at APCO. Okay. Um, so I was, I was on the roster already. And then it was just a matter of waiting for an opening, you know, an opportunity.
0: Right. So, and at that point when you're working, you said you started in television. Is it, is it, um, is it like network? episodic television or is it
1: it was a pilot yeah a pilot. i mean the first episode i was i had met um i had met someone at the ace internship workshop who was going to be an assistant editor on a pilot and he had told me oh they're looking for um a pa um do you want to apply I was like yeah of course so i applied i think i got the coordinator job which is the position above that and um yeah i kind of i network that way because in that position you speak to the post post supervisor post producer you're talking to the post exec at the studio right um i hate being on the phone but in that case (laughs) that kind of helps me and you know you're you're interacting with the assistant editor and the editor somewhat and the producers so it's a great it's a great little position to see Right. Be a fly on the wall and see how it all works.
0: And like very many other, pretty much everything else in this business, from every angle in front of and behind the camera, it, the advancement and the route is different than the civilian world in a lot of ways. It it is it is all kind of, who do you know who can do this? Uh, I talked to this one. It's it's building circles and referring and building relationships and stuff. Um, sure. So who? So when you're working, were there? Were you working with editors and kind of learning what they did Were their mentors early on when you were saying, Oh, this is all right. So that's the gig I want, you know, let me see how they do it.
1: I I would say, so on that project, um, you know, on that project was Lori Jane Coleman and, you know, it was just interesting. I got like just an interesting view of like how, how she runs the cutting room, how she worked. And then when I eventually worked for, for the next editor and the next, they all had their different ways of working. And, um, you know, and what's cool about TV, especially when you're starting out, is you get to meet so many different people because there's generally more than one editor on a project, you know. So um, you're sort of... Um, your network is wide Right. you know you can make a good impression at one time
0: right so, so let's so let's go off on that tangent a little bit you talked about ways of working so you saw different ways that they all kind of did things differently and we're going to get into kind of how you do it um what are some of the you know examples of things like how you set up a, a room and how you how you decide to uh, open the, the project and attacked. like what things did you see that were different what things do you like what are some of the preferences and how you do it
1: well i remember the Swan editor i worked with um peter frank um who i loved working for him he was so cool um he's also a musician <laughs> he was the one who who um encouraged me to take up the cello again because he himself is a cello <laughs> so uh but You know, he worked a normal day uh, and he was really fast because he kind of already knew how the thing was going to come together. And a lot of that was just thinking in your head, how is it supposed to come together? Mm. And then also, because, you know, uh, the other thing assistants do is at the time you're cutting all the previously ons, you know, at that. Oh, okay, I got you. Right. The two recap,
0: the little recap. yeah.
1: recap. Yeah. One minute recap. So, which is a great way to like learn, have cut. And I remember he would tell me, and I still use this to this day is, you know, how, what does it sound like? What's the audio? Keep the audio going. What, what is it? And then you, then that'll help you kind of build, build the visual too, you know. So, so that, that really sort of impressed upon me. and then I think um, there's another editor I worked for, uh, Ron Rosen, who, um, which I stole this from him, but he <laughs> he organizes his dailies in such a way where you everything's lined up, and we call it a pull sequence, but, like, everything's lined up, um, every setup for a certain amount of lines.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So you're seeing you just put all the dailies together that way in script order. So it gives you a really good kind of overview of the of the footage that the director shot mm. and and where they might want it to,
0: to go. Right. You start to so, see a, a, a vibe yeah, or a, yeah, a, a pattern. Right.
1: Yeah. And it, in, in the context of a cut,
0: right? you know, versus
1: watching just dailies as a role, right, right, like right. if I had all the time in the world, I would do that first while, <laughs> while drinking coffee. And then I would do the polls and watch it like that, right. you know, cause it's a different view. Right. Yeah. But, um, I mean, nobody has time for that, <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah, that's, that was a cool method that I picked up. Um,
0: wow. Well, it's interesting sure. that you said the uh, the sound thing. I, I don't do what you do, but I, I I've edited a whole bunch of stuff uh, over my career, little independent films and and features and things like that. But one of the first things I learned was that the what do you say the ear doesn't blink, you know. So it's like it's like so it's like yeah the vis- <laughs> the visuals are moving by it, you know twenty four or thirty frames a second everything. But but that sound of it, if you can find the particularly when you're doing montages like that. Or music videos or something there's a that really helps you know if you can lay down that soundtrack first and then and then you'll know kind of where the pace of the visuals go right
1: yes yes i mean i yeah especially if you're dealing with voice and now obviously if you don't have any audio in there and it's supposed to be right not that then you um you know you have the footage tell you what, right, you know, right. what, what the rhythm is, but um, which I have grown to, you know, cause I think in the beginning they tell you, okay, put, you know, cut to music, whatever. Right. But after a while, it's like, I don't want it. It's too insistent. Yeah. And it may not be the vibe that you want. And the footage may be telling you something else. Right. So I think I, I was able to take those training wheels off.
0: Yes, Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely so um so let's get you to 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 the big chair you know when do you get that for what's the first kind of where you're the editor of of the project and is it television is it film like what is the first thing where you're a paid you're an editor you're the editor
1: um well that would have to be when my buddy ron who i spoke of earlier left the (laughs) show and i took over his rotation on a show called, uh, on a show called Town. So, although that wasn't, I mean, that was the first time I was really getting paid as one. Like that's official. Like I had an official bump up from the union. I had to pay like the due for an editor. (laughs) Like, you know, I was officially an editor. Um, So yeah, that, that happened in 2008, but before that I had done like little stuff, you know, where I was already in the chair. Right, right, right. Um, so when that moment came, I was more prepared than I think some people are.
0: Right, right. So what is the, what's sort of the, because um, we'll get into some of the other stuff you've done. You've done like limited series stuff and uh, feature stuff, obviously. And, and we'll, we'll mention some of the, the really cool uh, projects you worked on. But for television, especially at that moment, what what's the sort of, the process like the 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 layout of it what do you what's what do you get who's communicating to you is it showrunners is it directors like what are the like who what's the feed what's the the conveyor belt of that job
1: well i think it depends on the project so tv is a little different than feature films um which is a little different than documentary which i cannot speak on right okay can't speak on documentary but um i know for for television especially if it's episodic um sorry repeat the question again basically
0: like like what is the what's what's coming to you is it is, is, is the footage is coming to you digitally oh. obviously and then who's com- like is it a bunch of notes is there's a director oh, coming I- in and sitting with it is it like what's that process All right like?
1: So you you get the footage per day, and depending on how many shooting days there are, you don't necessarily you won't necessarily see the director until they're done. Um, but the conduit for information should be <laughs> depends on how good of a job they do. Is the script supervisor? Okay, the script supervisor is is taking notes and communic supposed to be the communication between the director, of the cutting room, and tells you everything you need to know about the footage you know um the line script tells you what's what's covered you know i i really look at those things as just my first guide of what what's there um in tandem with looking at at the footage so usually hopefully you've had conversations prior to shooting you're having conversations on the phone as you know at the end of their day their thoughts about how things went and whatever. And that can inform you other than when you're reading the script and you're seeing the footage, how how to put that first assembly together.
0: Right. And, and are they giving you sort of, um, because are they, you're, you're trusted in your job to sort of find the story in there and the, the beats and the, and the story of it, but are they kind of also saying, Hey, it's, there's a something that i'm looking for here in this this is the story i'm trying to tell it, that that's the yeah, communication I mean, if
1: they feel um so inclined to to communicate that i mean i had one director who every day he would write a he would write like a little bit of a journal entry okay of how he felt and what was important mm. in terms of what he shot that day and that would come in with the script notes okay. so that was very helpful sure you know you don't you can say what what you might want before it all happens and then it happens and then something might might be different you know i mean usually people will call if they have time but um but yeah i you know i'm entrusted by them to create that vision you know they give me as many notes as as they'd like right um but i think a lot of people would like you to bring your idea even if it might be different
0: that's good. Do you find, uh, do you find that things often you'll discover something that isn't, wasn't in those notes, wasn't in those conversations where you're like, here's something that I, that you, that you personally bring to it, that you're like, oh, I see something here in this performance or, or this that they, they didn't see.
1: I mean, maybe, yeah. I, you know, if they haven't no usually that happens when, you know, you haven't had any communication mm. over it. Um, mm. and You know you're looking at going oh you know i remember there's one scene with in the paris match in the queen's gambit where i think scott was seeing my assembly and uh you know i had it in at the time this is pre um pre-lockdown i had everything on a big projector it was like 12 foot screen right so he's watching it and there's a shot where it, it pans dollies from the display board, a profile of the, of, of the guy moving a piece upon from the display board and it goes to her mm-hmm. and it comes around right. and he's like, and you see like a little bit of a tear forming. Mm. And then later in the sequence, she the tear drops before she gets, he's like, I never saw that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's great.
1: I was like, really? and But, but also is very subtle, but on a big screen. Sure. You know, and obviously when he's looking at the screens are a lot smaller in right. Video Village, they're not as they're not a big, even like a 45, you know, a 42 inch television screen. Right.
0: And that's the thing about uh, about the medium of film in general, too, is, it, you know, a performance can be happening five feet from you. And, you know, just like I said, the ear doesn't the camera doesn't blink either. So, you know, right. y- you could miss it literally sitting there it. as a human being and the camera's going to get it. So all those little things right. that actors do are. Are just absorbed by that. Voice. I mean,
1: you want to try to find little things that they may not, you know, know about. I mean, they're not always going to be there. Like for maybe they've sent a B camera or a second unit crew out to mm. shoot textured shots or right. just establishings, and and they never see that footage sure. until it's in dailies or something. So um, it's up to you to kind of sift through all that and find the little
0: gems. Right. What was your? Uh, what's the first um, big feature that you got? It wasn't the 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 uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg one, right? What's the What's the first like feature film where it's intense for you know months at a time, and you've got a huge project?
1: I mean, I thought that was well. That has been the bigger one. I mean, they've all kind of been small the movies that I've done. So of the same size, right? Um, they've all been different in terms of their difficulty. Yeah. <laughs> probably the first one I did, which was revenge of the green dragons was probably the most difficult. Why is that? Yeah. I mean, the footage was it, I mean, it was a lot of action. Mm. It, the script, um, got written, then rewritten during mm. shooting, which is always an issue once you come out of it, because then you have to figure out, well, how does this go together? Um, I think that was the biggest problem with that one. And plus it was my first movie. So Mm. it was always really hard because I was just still forming my methodology and the way I do things and, and knowing what to worry about, what not to worry about, how to, you know, just general, how to manage your room. Mm. I mean, you know, I didn't, I didn't know any of that stuff. (laughs) Like I was just learning it. I was basically learning it. So that was very stressful. Right. Um, and then like, you know, the second movie was a little bit better though. Shock caller. Um, I think I had a handle on, on at least my cutting abilities at that time. Um, I still, however, was learning how to, how to be a department head. Mm. And then I think once I did Godless, that pushed me into being like a department head. Great
0: show, by the way.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you.
0: That was a great, I love that. That was the, um. What's his name? Jeff Daniels oh. and uh, yeah, Jeff Daniels. in the West with the with the women and the town. It was great. It was a yes. cool show, very cool <laughs> show. Um, yeah.
1: So, but that really taught me how to how to manage, you know, a, a team and manage myself. And I was already very confident in my cutting at that point. And then, so when I did the on the basis of sex, it was like, especially after cutting nine hours of godless or whatever.
0: It was, <laughs> right was long.
1: Um, it was just. Right. A lot easier for me,
0: you know. So how, just off on a side road here, how are, because we talked about networking before, how are the jobs coming to you? Like, are are you developing at this point sort of this reputation when you're doing these things where they're like, I need, because, you know, when you're looking for a cinematographer, there's a, a style or there's a relationship they have with directors. Are you, do editors have that same thing? Whether it's like, I got to work with her or is it just... Yeah. Okay. So how is that I mean that-
1: I think that I mean it's the reverse. They're looking for there you either have a relationship existing already and that's how you're getting your jobs because you've worked with someone before and they want they know you, they like they think you're the right person for the project, or at least they the relationship itself is strong enough. Um, um or you know, if if it's a new relationship. They're looking at your body of work or who you've worked with um, and, and trying to match it with their own style, right. you know, what, what they want it to be.
0: Gotcha. So, and in something like uh, like a Godless, that was a limited series. Was that, did they do that? Like an episodic where there's different directors for every episode or is it one director the whole way through?
1: No, that was, that was a one director the whole way. Okay. That was Scott. Um, and I was one director and a one editor. So that was me all the way too. Okay. So one, one editor, one DP. I mean, basically shot, shot a movie. Like yeah. One,
0: yeah. Right.
1: One Be- long. Lawrence <laughs> <of a computer. laughs>
0: and you're, and I imagine you're in LA and they're, and they're wherever they are, right. Where they shoot that thing.
1: No, so they, they shot that all in New Mexico, right. Uh, around in and around Santa Fe and, and because that was after Scott had moved to New York, they and New York had started offering this post-production tax credit,
2: mm.
1: Post was all in New York. Oh, okay. So I, I was the only L.A. No. Me, the sound editor, the music editor were the L.A. people. Mm. And we, we relocated to New York for that. And then the assistant editors, the Post staff, wow. they were all in New York. Wow. Um,
0: go, where so- the, go where the tax credit is. <laughs> go where the money what is people yeah. do, that's right
1: that's what people do but yeah so we were we were there and that that was quite a ride and um um yeah i was on that for a year so it's it's very similar to what we did on the queen's gambit
0: right and like uh, that
1: kind of laid the groundwork for how we did the queen's gambit
0: right right yeah because it's similar a similar that was another 13 10 or 9 or 10 episode Six, six
1: well seven was it seven? six to seven
0: yeah another great show awesome job on that by the way that was <laughs> that was another very very cool surprise that was one of those little gems that came out of nowhere that was that was neat we'll talk about that in a minute but you also did um, I'm trying to think of all the other cool TV shows that I that I liked the stuff that you did Godless was one did I see you did oh didn't you do uh, um, Kevin Spacey and, uh, what the fuck? Yeah,
1: that was, of Cards, right? first season, I did the first season of House of Cards. That was cool. That was very interesting. I remember when, like, uh, me and my, one of my mentors, Sidney Walensky was, we were, we both had interviewed for the job and and I remember he said to me, what is this gonna be? This is gonna be on the web. Are we gonna be up for webbies? Like, like we didn't really get. It. I was like, no, no, this is like because you at the time that right. was not.
0: Yeah, Netflix so, was. That was a whole new world. It was original
1: a whole new run. I was like, no, dude, this is gonna be big, Sydney. We got to be a part of this. And he was like, all right, you know, <laughs> kind of reluctantly.
0: <laughs> That's so cool. Um, so. And and on the basis of sex how, was that an HBO thing? I don't remember.
1: No, it was um folk. It was focus and focus. focus okay. and, it was it was a movie, movie, and um.
0: And how did that come into your life?
1: So the director for that film, um, I knew two people on the film. The director, Mimi Leader, who I worked with a while back on um, on Luck. Mm. We did. Her, I did her episodes on luck and um, well she did one that aired and one that didn't air I knew her and she reached out to me to do it and then I also knew one of the producers Jonathan King mm-hmm. who at the time was that participant so um, so yeah that's how I got and it. how
0: does the, and how does that relationship work on a feature is the director like in other words you the for Everybody on the outside, we always get the stories of Thelma and Marty Scorsese and like this. How? What is that relationship like for you on a, on a feature film with a director?
1: I mean, it's, it's very similar. I mean, I would say like Scott and I have a very um, strong relationship. I mean, Mimi and I were trying to reunite at that point um, on a movie. So she was familiar with me, but we hadn't worked together in like a handful (laughs) of years. So, but it was still familiar. Right. And, um, you know, it it was good. We had a, we had a really good relationship.
0: And is there a a language, like a story language that a shorthand you develop where it's like, look, I'm, I need this to be this or, or like, or you're just delivering things and they, and they get it right away. Like, how does that interaction work with us? Yeah.
1: I mean, it's, it was very similar. I mean, she used to even when we were luck. If she had a problem or she she was worried about something, she would call and say, "Hey, you know, I don't know. Can you put this together and just see if it's so if if it still works or something?" And and I mean, we're very open. It was very open communication. Wow. And and she, you know, I I typically like to send if the directors are open to it. I like to send them um, footage cut as as they're shooting so they can see mm. how they're coming together am i going in the right direction plus it allevi- alleviates some stress um on my part right. to it, allevi- it alleviates their stress of knowing okay this is i've seen now cut footage
0: right so is you said you like to do is that is that unusual is that not a usual-
1: not- people do it just depends on the relationship and what the director wants sometimes the directors don't want to see hmm. anything until they're done they want to focus you know um or it doesn't help them or they'd rather see everything all together hmm.
0: okay. you know it
1: just it's a. Uh, it depends on their methods
0: right interesting so let's talk about uh uh you mentioned it a couple of times the queen's gambit thing that did you know right away that was going to be kind of a uh, you know the, the the project that it turned out to be, or no? What? How did that come into your lap?
1: No, oh, I mean, do you think do you think a show about chess is going to be like really interesting?
0: i I'm, I'm. That's really? why I'm asking. I'm like, I'm wondering if anybody <laughs> saw this thing coming.
1: No, they did not. Yeah, they did. No, I mean, I think I think after you read the book, which Scott, you know, was already familiar with the material right. um, of the book, the book is very. Makes it feel like it can be cinematic. You know, you're imagining being in her head. You're 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 kind of navigating the language of the of the chess and the chess world. And you're like, oh, I can understand it. And because because the thread of it is the drama. Right. And so it's not necessarily that you know the Roy Lopez or you know or any of the different moves, but you but by way of context, you kind of understand why something's important to somebody or, or or something. So um, yeah, nobody thought that that was gonna be anything.
0: And as far as the actual structure of that thing, um, how much of what you did how much of what you brought to that became that sort of thing you know the like you said a lot of it comes out of her head and it's this these it's it's an interesting edit is that all kind of laid out for you is that written out in the script that way or are you bringing ideas where it's like you know what we could do here to get the effect you're looking for we could do this or that like what is your
1: I mean it's a little bit of everything you know there are some things that were prescribed in the script and um certain ideas uh like the ceiling chest that were already kind of baked into the story that was in Walter Tovis's novel um you know things like the split screen sequence or um or the way I may have cut the display board during the during the Paris match. These are all things that, that came out of me in post. Right. So the answer is it's a little bit of everything, right? Because Scott's writing something, then he's going to his chess consultants and Gary Kasparov and, and, and Bill and, and Bruce um, Pandolfini. And, and they're telling a story with the type of chess that they're saying, right. They should be playing for the scene. Right. And then, and then, meisler is telling the story of how they're going to shoot it you know and then i'll come in at at the end with yet another layer of an idea do you play chess no
0: so all right so because that there's i mean there's some of the more intense dramatic narratives of that are there's no dialogue it's all it's the action of the of the interaction of the chess match you right. got to kind of know what, what the hell's going on. I would imagine, right? Like,
1: I mean, I know what's going on. Just to get the pace think, of
0: the of the thing.
1: Yeah, but you just have the feeling of what you know. Essentially, what it is is it's it's a it's a question and a response. Right. It's responses back and forth. It's like a dialogue. I I I sort of described it like this before, but you know, when when the chess consultants are creating the match that they're playing. You can kind of see what what's gonna happen, even though I don't know what's gonna happen okay. before I'm watching the dailies, right? But they're already baked into the dailies. So when I'm seeing it and I I I know that at a certain point based on the script and just by the way the by the way it feels like I know how I don't play chess, right. but I know how the pieces move. Right. I don't know how to master it, but I know the general idea, right? right? And the general rules. So you can tell on a board when somebody's gained an up uh, the upper hand. So it's just sort of um, highlighting that in a way, showing reactions to that. Right. And all I can say is that you sort of feel it, and you then you enhance it when you have it, material.
0: Is there is there a particular um, type of edit that that? juices you up more than anything else like you said the 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 dragons one the green dragons one it was an action piece and then this is this is a whole different kind of cerebral but it's got like are there do you like cutting uh uh character work quiet pieces actually like what are the things that you really smile when you're like oh this is fun i'm enjoying myself doing this this job
1: I mean, I really do like action. Yeah. In a lot of ways the chess was action. Totally. Um however, I'm very good at cutting drama and character drama. So it's what's great is when you can do both.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah.
1: And it's happening at the same time.
0: Right. So <laughs> And I find what's fun about cutting I love I, I I'm not real big on um, you know, montages and action sequences and all this. I mean, I don't, I, I love building performance in an edit, you know, where you're, you're even borrowing from takes that don't go with the, with the actual shot, you know, just to create the moment right. you're looking for. I, I, I find that fun. Do you, You've gotten to do that with some fantastic performances, fantastic actors. Is it fun to kind of go through the bins of takes and say, we need Jeff's Jeff Daniels' mouth to curl here a little bit more, cut right off of that blink? Because if you hang on it too long, it's this, you know, I mean, that's what people don't understand is you're creating that performance. You're making it, you're elevating it to what it needs, even if it wasn't shot that way you're yeah so talk about that a little bit about the the building of a character and a building of a performance
1: i mean yeah well you know you have to know what the character is and who the character is supposed to be so that you can basically sharpen the focus of that you know um when you're cutting someone like jeff it's very it's very easy he's already (laughs) dialed it in and it's an embarrassment of riches within two takes right so it's not it's a lot funner because it's not so labor intensive but because you don't have to pull a performance out of anybody but um but it is fun to sort of play with the footage and what you know where else you can use it um you know annie is no different you know she has a very expressive face and that really helped us a lot you know especially when it came to imagining or you know kind of getting inside her head or sort of feeling right you know having a feeling um, be translated um you know obviously also in flashbacks being able to go in and out of flashbacks um but yeah it's but just to cut a straight you know when you're cutting a straight performance and just in a say a, a dialogue scene you know between two characters you know you there's the undercurrent of knowing where you want to be during that conversation who's and it's not just the lines it's also how someone's reacting right. to those lines and if that reaction is important and what what does it mean if you if you cut to there so always having an intention of when you're going to change when you're going to cut right. um and it's all—it's all based on well, what, what are the ideas that you're trying to um, um, get across?
0: Right, and I and you—you you talk about the embarrassment of riches. I mean, I'm sure you've had this experience many times, where you're like, "God, this is such a good piece of footage, just such a good moment in performance, or such," and you can't use it. It doesn't fit the the whole arc of story. You have to take things out that you just wish you could have jammed in there, you know, because they're just so good. But you gotta discard things sometimes because
1: well sometimes you do, but sometimes you just make room for it. If it (laughs) it tells your story, if it tells the story, right, then it's got everything's gotta earn its place.
0: Right. Right.
1: So and if it's that good, then it's earned its place somewhere.
0: Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Well I, I just I was just referring to sort of performance stuff because when you have take after take that it's like oh this is such a great moment from this take but this is also great one of them is going to have to but one of them serves the story and one of them doesn't you know right I mean? so
1: so in that case it's the story, story that
0: happens, right yeah. right right the
1: story or or what you what you need to do for that character in that moment
0: right do you like um because did i'm sure you learned all this stuff about the history of editing and it was the way it began and, and, and all, you know, it was just kind of a stitchy, you know, master,
1: a long time, you know, ago, medium yeah. and close.
0: And then, you know, the French and the Europeans came along and changed everything. Yeah, so runners, do you, okay. so do you like, do you like being able to like, do you edit, do you find yourself again? I guess it depends on the story, but are you, do you like to experiment with kind of nonlinear stuff? Like when you were a kid watching Tarantino oh. and things like that?
1: Yes. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, I think I do like to experiment with that. I mean, um, you, you know, it depends on whether the script, especially if, if you're working in narrative, if it allows for that, right. sometimes it's just way too confusing, but, <laughs> um, but if you need to do that and, the footage allows you to do it. Uh, it is fun to do that. Right. If, if it elevates the movie.
0: Right. And last couple of things. Uh, just what, what was, what's up, one of the things in all these great stuff that you've worked on that surprised you in an edit where, where you put something together and it, not surprised you delighted you were you like that man that i nailed it i got that the way that flowed the way that is there a particular one where you can think i love that scene i love the way that assembled
1: um i i think as of late yeah i i think you know i always think about the parrot well what i'm thinking about now is the pair uh, when she's actually playing the tournament with Borgov in episode six.
0: In Queen's Gambit.
1: And I think the reason why I like that sequence in the Queen's Gambit is that um, we're very little. We're not so much on the board watching her make moves on the board. It's it's all internal, and so I was worried about how I was going to show that she's in trouble because yeah Mm. so i am glad that it worked i don't know how it came i don't know how it works but (laughs) (laughs) i'm glad it works (laughs) even you can look at your own work and be like
0: what did i do what
1: the hell what did i do how how why does that work Uh, you know right
0: and uh and just for the geek and me the technical stuff what is some how do you like how does it come in at that, you know, and, and on something like that, like a feature, what is this? What is the media you're getting in, and and how? What are you sending it out to? Like, what are oh, you?
2: Like technically, yeah, technically. Uh, like, oh,
0: what God. are they? What are they bringing you? Or are they giving you like you know that Kind of. This
1: giant... da- I mean, it's all media files. You know, the dailies they come in. I mean, nowadays they're shooting at such high quality. If you're lucky, um, on the Queens Gambit, I think they shot on eight K. Sure awesome because yeah the image is great but i was able to blow up things and you know like resize and do things because i knew i had the resolution right you were going to be okay um so uh yeah i mean the footage comes in like that and then i think we were cutting at dnx 115 in the avid Mm. um and then when we finished I don't know those specs. <laughs> That's all right, and,
0: and you're not doing you're not doing any kind of color correction or anything. That that eventually goes out to the next artist who deals with that. Yes, you, you don't have to and deal he, with all that. He's an
1: artist, yes. yes. Our our Bodner is who. Steve Banger who color or who times the Queen's Gambit I mean that's their thing
0: sure yeah you don't have to that's good that you don't have to do that kind of no, stuff it
1: actually drives me crazy because I I don't know what I'm looking at and I get really confused and then when then I I'm, I think I got it right and then I play and I'm like why does that person look like an alien you know
0: <laughs> right yeah no
1: I'm like oh I should stay away from this
0: <laughs> on the micro level where I'm you know trying to do all this shit myself it's uh it's a mess sometimes so you, you, yeah I appreciate the artistry of everybody's
2: craft. I do too. And
0: <laughs> all right so what's uh what's coming up anything fun uh on the horizon i mean this pandemic is kind of nuts but uh do you still get to to, to work a little bit or, or what it's really kind of screwed up yeah of us. i'm doing a little
1: recutting um which is fun just to see um it's from a problem solving standpoint you know it's it's a challenge um it's nice to have like I, i'm very kind of non-committal I think that that has to do with the fact that I'm I'm also exhausted, mm. you know, from um, just, yeah, the aftermath of, of the year. Sure. And and also just the show, because it was it was kind of a big thing to, to manage. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm just trying to look for I'm still feeling out what the next thing might be. But so far, it's it's I'm just sort of dabbling here and dabbling there and right. trying to create relationships you're so. in the same
0: boat as uh, a lot of the rest of us just dabbling here and dabbling there all right so the last little thing um and i'll let you go is the for just from the from the art the the art and craft aspect of it the spirit mm-hmm. of it and the actual craft of it for someone who is uh, an aspiring editor or who is you know, beginning to work on narrative documentary media, where they're actually getting in there and, and knocking it out. What's the advice? What's the things they should keep in mind as they're doing that craft? What are the what are the advice you have for the editor?
1: I would say, um, make your tool an extension of your brain hmm. as fast as you can. You know, you don't want to have to think about how you're using the tool um, in order to create because the. Distance between here and here should be as fast as your brain, right? Right. So the only way you do that is if you really can know your master, your tool in a way that it's second nature and you're not thinking about it. Um, And the second thing I I would say is, you know, look at other mediums, look at, look at art, look at, um, listen to different music, listen to, um, you know, watch different kinds of movies, and maybe don't watch stuff maybe go to a video installation when they're open that's the biggest thing I miss actually is not being able to go to a museum but you know like just seeing something completely different from the medium that you are used to working in Hmm. Um, and if you can practice in a different medium um, that also helps your brain just to Think about things in a different way so that when you come back to what you're familiar with, you have a different, you have this other thing right. that has affected you that can affect this, your way of doing things.
0: So are you still playing the cello then?
1: Oh my gosh. <laughs> I feel really guilty because I've, i put it down for like, I must be like three years now, just cause I've, I haven't found the time, but I need to get back to it because it did, it does help me think about rhythm differently right. and and however challenging it was um you know that that helped that helps me a lot so right. yeah i got to get back to i'm looking at it right now it's like in the case <laughs> really
0: and i would think above all just like anything other other parts of of what we do story above all so it, you know the technique yes. and the and the flash and the things you want to try are fun but if it doesn't serve the story it's
1: yeah, don't stop reading
0: books. <laughs> right, right. You
1: can create the movie in your mind.
0: Right, that's awesome. I love that button. Where to finish it, create the movie in your mind. Michelle, thank you so much for uh, giving me all this time. Um, I, I bow to your craft. I, I do it I do it when I have to, and I, I do it to pay the bills on, on other little commercial projects and stuff. But at your level, it's a master craft, and, uh, and I, I certainly appreciate everything and all the time you gave me. Thanks so much.
1: Oh, great. Thank you. Thank you. It was great to meet you and talk to you.
0: Awesome.